Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. You can be seated. Oh, it's so good to be here with my Nations family. Um, if you're the type that likes to follow the actual Bible, Exodus chapter 20, um, it's so good. My, my job and privilege today is to open the Bible. And I take that very seriously. Anytime you do that, you wanna ask at least two questions. One, what happened? And two, more importantly, What's happening in all of us right now because of what happened? So I can't wait to do that. Uh, If you're a part of the Nations Online family, I'm so privileged to be able to come into your living room or dining room, wherever you're watching this. And um, anytime I speak, I I want a couple things to happen. I want Jesus to get bigger, the cross to work better, the resurrection to be central, and scriptures to get bigger, not smaller for you. And, And I hope that's your experience wherever you're watching this. And of course, that's your experience here live. A couple things before we get going. Um, I always, when I come to a church, I put a very special message aside for the evening meeting so that I can invite everybody in the morning back. So if it's, your, if it's not your normal practice to come in the evening, I get that. But I'm going to ask you to consider putting aside an hour and 10 minutes tonight. Uh, that's total. Um, and I promise I've set something aside that will change your life. If you come tonight and your life isn't rocked in a good way, um, I'll personally, out of my own pocket, refund you whatever they charge to come. So whatever the tickets cost at night, uh, I'll give it back. And so it's a really risk-free sort of proposition. So c- come, on, um, c- come on back tonight. A- afterwards, we have a small table set up outside with our resources on it, uh, USBs, audio, video. The-, the reason we do that is because we make a lot of money from it. The reason we do that is because we live with the conviction that we're not simply called to go to heaven when we die. We're called to bring heaven to every place we see hell here. So 100% of every profit we make from that, we give to the poor and the afflicted. We have three orphanages in China that look after children with mental disabilities. We also have a rescue home in Cape Town that gets girls out of the sex industry, off drugs, high school educated, and job trained so we could do our part to break the cycle of poverty in the Cape Flats. That's what we do out there. So come on out there. I'll put something in your hands that'll change the way you look at God. You put something in our hands that helps us feed, clothe, shelter, educate, mentally handicapped kids. I think it's a pretty good trade, all right? So today's Pentecost uh, Sunday. And if you're wondering, what is that? Like if you Google Nations Church, this is a Pentecostal church in Myrie. Um, So you're Pentecostals. And the question is, do we know what that means? So I I wanna open that up today because words matter less than how we picture words functioning. And so I want to change maybe the way that we view the beauty of this word, because um, for some, Pentecost has become something it really wasn't. Um, Pentecost, the word Pentecostal has been hijacked by, frankly, a few weirdos um, who are amateur predictors of the end of the world or something, um, and that's just not it. And so um, I want to talk to you about what Pentecost was, and let's recapture the beauty of it and find ourselves in the middle of the story. Now, to understand this, we got to go all the way back to Exodus 20. Exodus 20 was the famous giving of the Ten Commandments. Um, But in Jewish culture, it's not called Ten Commandments. Um, And I'm not mad at it. I I call it Ten Commandments in my series on it because that's what we call it. In their world, it's called a ten-word ketubah, a ten-word marriage proposal. The question is why. So let's look at that. If you could bring that first slide up for me. This is Exodus 20, verse 2. And God spoke all these words, not commands, words, saying, I am the Lord, 
your God. God spoke these words saying, I am the Lord. So, so the Ten Commandments starts out as an affirmation of love, not a condition for it. It's seen in their world as a marriage proposal. The question is, where would they get that from? Well, to understand this, we gotta understand that the whole book of Exodus is organized as a marriage proposal. It follows the five-step sequence of a Hebrew relationship. Um, let me show you those five words. Everything's gonna come back to these five words. If you could bring those, yeah, the five words are laka, segula, mikvah, Ketubah and Hoopah. So I wanna, I wanna teach you these words because they're really, really important. And so let's say them with some go, nation's church gusto uh, to have a lot of energy, but not enough to point you out individually, okay? <laughs> so let's try that, ready? The, the first word is Laka. Let me hear you say that one. La-ka. Perfect. The second one is Segula. It's like a staccato S, Segula. All right, let's, let's try that one, ready, go. Segula. The third one is mikvah. Let's try that one. Mikvah. The fourth one, and this is staccato as well at the front, is ketubah. Let's try that one. Ready? Go. Ketubah. And then the last one is hoopah. Let's try that one. Hoopah. So laka, segula, mikvah, ketubah, and hoopah. Now, every Hebrew relationship followed that five-step pattern. Um, To illustrate this, I'm gonna tell a completely made up story that has no reality to it at all, Um, but it'll illustrate how this worked, okay? So let's say I'm dating someone and let's call her Pam. So Pam and I, we start dating, we go through those awkward initial stages of attraction. Uh, Then you get to something psychologists call limerence. Limerence is the involuntary rush of dopamine in your brain when you're in someone's presence. This causes you to be addicted to them. Like you can't wait to get off work to go see them. You're peeking at your phone during the day. You might even have a five hour phone conversation and it felt like 10 minutes, you know? It's weird. Like if you're married 20 years, a five hour conversation sounds like hell. (laughs) Back then. And so at some point, at some point your relationship sort of grows and you have a conversation, Pam and I, and Pam's like, Shane, is this going anywhere? Are we just gonna date forever? Like, what's, like, is this going somewhere? And I'm like, yeah, I think we could. So we, we decide that our relationship could go somewhere. Serious. Well, once that happens, the, the, the word that Pam would be longing to hear me say is laka. So we go on a date. We go to something basic, you know, Nando's. <laughs> We're sitting at Nando's in Belmont. And um, she orders chicken with extra spicy peri-peri sauce. And I think, man, there's something about you I want to spend the rest of my life with. So I take her to her home and hold her by the hand. And I say, Pam, laka. Well, she can't hardly contain her excitement. Why? All this. Like if you sleep in and drink Coke, you too can one day have a body like this. She goes in, she calls her three best friends and says, he said laka. He has said laka. Facebook status change. He said laka, right? Laka, next slide, means to take as my own. It means to take as my own. It's, it's essentially 
Will you be mine? Will you be my own? So there's this family. And it started by a guy named Abraham. And Abraham had a son named Isaac. And then Isaac has a son named Jacob. And they have 12 children. And then they end up in, they end up in Egypt. And they end up in slavery. And it's terrible, 400 years. And God gets them out of slavery, which is really, really cool. Except for the fact that it's terrifying because... If God gets you out of slavery, what's he gonna expect from you in return? Like, what if he expects you to hurt yourself? I mean, who knows? You, if, it's very daunting to enter into a relationship with somebody if all you know about them is that they're powerful, but you don't know how kind they are. You, you don't know anything. And so, as far as I know, this is the first thing he says to them after that. Watch what he says, Exodus chapter six, next slide. I'll free you from being slaves to them and redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. And I will take you as my own. The word is laka. Again, you didn't have to explain to these people, this is relational language. God didn't use relational language. This is revolutionary stuff. Like gods in that day were their temple, their moment, their time, their ritual. Then maybe this God says, no, no, no. What I want, all I want in return from you is relationship. That's it. Laka. Let's go back to our five words. Now, once I say laka to Pam, she's going to really want to hear me say at some point soon, segula. And this is how it worked. Her three best friends ring her and say, has he said segula yet? And she's like, no. And they're like, does he have a commitment problem? You know? And she's like, shut up. He'll say segula when he wants, you know? So, we go on a date to Tony Roma's on Hay Street. It's just special, you know? Just, she originally says, I'll just have half a rack of ribs and it's just so good. She gets a full rack. And I'm like, yeah, I like this woman, you know? So I take her to her house and hold her by the hand and I'm like, Pam, Sagula. She's so excited. Why? Obvious, right? She calls her three best friends. He said Segula, right? Facebook status change. He said Segula. Segula, next slide, means treasured possession. Now, I realize it's 2022, and today's woman is like, what, do you think you own me, right? <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I get it. <clears throat> it was much more endearing than that, actually. It was actually, la cause, will you be mine? Segula's more, will you be the most special person in my whole world? It's, it's that. So this family, here's la cause. Exodus chapter 19, same group of people. Check this. Next slide. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant. Again, terrifying. What's your covenant? What do you want from us? Then out of all the nations... You will be my treasured possession. The word is segula. Again, you didn't have to explain to them. This is relational talk. Back to our five words. Once I say laka, and then I say segula, of course, the next word she wants to hear is mikvah. Now, mikvah was a three-day notice. It's a three-day in three days, I'm gonna ask you to marry me. There was no mystery in those days when the engagement was coming. 
Uh, when I was, I'm 46, 25 years ago when I was of dating age, there was a little bit of mystery. It would go something like this. Uh, hey, you think tonight's the night he's gonna ask you? She's like, I hope so. Why would you think that? And they're like, well, he just booked you a table at a $170 a plate restaurant when he normally takes you to Nando's. <laughs> Surely tonight's night, she said, I hope so. Today, there's no mystery. Um, because of social media, no one's surprised when they're gonna get married. You actually get warned beforehand to dress up. Um, if your boyfriend tells you dress up and he drives you to the base of a mountain and it's running into the ocean and there's already a photographer there, <laughs> today's your day. Now, now, back then there was no mystery. Somebody said mikvah and that meant in three days we're getting engaged. It's a three day notice. Now, I have preached some version of this in gigantic women's conferences. It's one of the primary things I get asked to do. I know it's weird. Hey, come to our big giant women's conference. It's me and 3,000 women. It's interesting. I, I've done this message or some version of it in a basketball arena full of women. And it all goes the same. I say, laka means my own. And you can hear all the women, oh. This is so lovely. Segula means special treasure. <sighs> Mikvah is far, far less romantic. Mikvah means, next slide, go wash. <laughs> Girl, you need a bath. Your breath needs some work, right? Mikvah was, hey, in three days, I'm gonna ask you to marry me. And I'd like you to be clean so I could touch you. It was that. Uh, you see this idea all through the Bible. Uh, the most overkill is in the book of Esther, where it says Esther bathed in a mikvah of perfume for a year before she went and saw her husband, which I think we could all agree is a bit overkill. Like, listen, no offense, if you need to bathe in perfume for a year, see a doctor. Okay, there's something else going on. Uh, but mikvah was eight in three days. But check this out, same group of people, next slide. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Three days from now, I'm gonna ask you to marry me. Be ready. Now, what happens three days after Exodus 19? Exodus 20. I know, boom, right? The giving of the 10 commandments. Can you see why they see it as a 10 word marriage proposal? It's a 10 word ketubah. Next slide, so our five words. Laka, segula, mikvah, ketubah, and hoopah. Now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna explain ketubah and hoopah very quickly together and then we'll look at the scripture, okay? So a ketubah, was a marriage proposal, it was a contract. It was the rules by which we both agree our marriage will be defined. Uh, essentially three days after mikvah, I, I would get together with Pam and we would write a ketubah. And here was the rule. I could put anything in the ketubah I wanted and she could put anything in the ketubah she wanted so long as we both agreed. Because how can two walk together 
lest they be agreed. We would write it with the witness of our fathers, and then I would stand and face her, and I would say, will you marry me? In other words, based on this, will you marry me? A covenant of marriage was based on rules. The worst teaching you'll ever hear about marriage is marriage is a covenant. And what that means is, is you have to put up with whatever they do, no matter what. That is nonsense. It's not based in Hebrew or Greek. It's actually based in Latin. The Latin word is bolimus crapimus, okay? <laughs> I can't think of exactly the English translation of that, but the Latin is definitely bolimus crapimus. A covenant was based on your agreement. And if you broke your agreement, that was called marital unfaithfulness. So I would say, will you marry me? And she would say, yeah. Now pay close attention to the language. I would then say, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. And she would say, well, when are you come back to receive me unto yourself? And I would say, I don't know the day or the hour, but when my father approves the wedding chamber I'm gonna build for you, he'll send me back. So be watchful and ready with oil in your lamp, ready to go at any time. Does that sound familiar? Like this is relational talk. I would then go build a room. In my father's house are many rooms. Now this is hard for us to understand because in our world, when our children get married, they leave home, hopefully, <laughs> right? Like adults aren't meant to live, like, look, I don't wanna be offensive, but if you're 35 and still living at home, your parents are ready for you to leave, right? But in their world, they couldn't, couldn't afford that. No one could afford their own home. You had one house with lots of rooms because that's how it worked. And so if a new marriage was coming, you had to build an extra room on the back of the house. And here's how it worked. The young people lived at the back of the house. And then as you aged, you moved to the front of the house. And then when you died, you got moved out of the house. <laughs> that's how it worked. And, and oh, by the way, just a quick thing. Um, the average age of death back then was 32. So just a quick thing for the singles real quick. Um, be careful in choosing a life partner because in Jesus's day, they died at 32. So till death do us part was more doable. Yeah. Like, it's like put up with their crap for another 10 years, you'll die. Now you have to live with that person till 84. Be sure. Okay. So I would... I'd build a room. My father would approve it. Like this is reasonable lodgings. I would then go back and get Pam. She's watchful and ready, her oil. We'd come and we'd have, it, we'd have a wedding. And at a wedding, there's a hoopah. A hoopah is a marriage altar. It's a, it just mean, literally means the covering of God's presence. It was, re it was represented by one of these. This is a talit the earliest sort of metaphor around the spirit of God, the presence of God. It, it's an exact replica of the veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. 
Um, and all they would basically do is they'd take the tassels, they'd put four sticks in the ground, and they'd tie the tassels around the sticks. And then what that would do is that would spread this out and make a canopy, a hoopah, a covering. And we'd do our wedding. And then there was a second hoopah. The second hoopah, they would put four sticks around the bed in the marriage room. And they would put this over the top of it to make a canopy over the marriage bed. Because a covenant is supposed to be consummated by a witness. But that's not a great spectator sport. So <laughs> they said, well, we'll spread this out. And their covenant, when it's consummated, will be witnessed by the presence of God. It's done under the hoopah. It's every, every marriage, every wedding you've ever been to in your life has some version of a hoopah, some sort of arch or whatever the case would be. So here's what would happen. We'd have our wedding. I'd take Pam to the door. I would pick her up. Um, we'd still do that today. It's called carrying them over the threshold or whatever. You pick your bride up. It's a good idea for some. Uh, for others, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, it's like, girl, I'll give you a piggyback. I don't know what we're going to do. Anyway. So, so you pick them up. Oh, by the way, just a quick, um, the Hebrew word to pick your bride up is where we get the word rapture from. Um, it's true. People are like, ha ha. Yeah, 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 I guess it's funny. It was true. The uh, rapture has nothing to do with going somewhere else. It has to do with being caught up into the fullness of the love of your groom. You'd pick your bride up. You'd rapture her. Then you would take her in there. This is, gonna get a, this is a little awkward, but whatever. They, they just weren't as embarrassed about that as we are. You would go in there and consummate your marriage under the hoopah. And they would just shut the door and wait. Now remember, they're 13 years old, so like 40 seconds later, here we go, we're ready. <laughs> and then you'd have a party. It was all about celebration of the relationship of the hoopah. So this family, Laka, Segula, Mikvah, Exodus 20, three days later, here comes the ketubah, next slide. And God spoke, no, uh, nope. Exodus 20, verse two. And God spoke all these words. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God. Yes. That's how the, that's how the marriage proposal starts. A, a, an affirmation. I'm yours. What do you want from us? Get to that in a second. Next slide. That, that, that sentence has three words in it. Anarchy, Jehovah, Elohim. I am the Lord your God. Anarchy, Jehovah, Elohim. Now you could say I'm the Lord your God with two words, Jehovah, Elohim. But anarchy is the first word of God's proposal. Now, every Hebrew letter is a picture. So every Hebrew word is a comic strip, tells a story. The A is an ox head going into a yoke. It means to authority. Um, the N is fish multiplying. The CH is a hedge or a fence. And the Y is an upraised hand. It means to surrender. 
So, so when a Hebrew person read this, here's what they read. Next slide. Your authority is multiplying inside the hedge of praise and submission. In other words, what do I expect from you? I'm here to make you bigger. Now you're a slave. You don't know what he's like. You just know he's strong. And you're used to that. You've been around strong people who abused you. And this God, infinitely stronger. And now he's telling you what he's about. And he's saying, before we go any further, I'm here to make you bigger. Think about the 10 commandments as a marriage proposal. No other gods. In other words, if we're gonna be married, I'd like to be the only one. Um, no idols. Hey, um, if we're gonna be married, if you could put the pictures of your old boyfriends away, that'd be good. Oh, here's a good one. Let's take one day in seven and just spend it together. Hang on. These are slaves. When was their last day off? Never. 400 years I'd had a day off. Can you imagine hearing that? Hang on. Did he just, did he just say in our new world we get a day off? It's unbelievable. Now here's one. Don't kill each other. Hold on. Obvious to us, but wait a minute. Hold on. In our new world, the biggest, strongest people can't kill us. So, so I want you to make this just, in, in our new world, my life is protected and we get a day off. Yeah. Okay, here's, here's a good one. Don't sleep with each other's wives. That's good. But, but wait a minute, hang on, hang on. Hold on, I just wanna make sure I understand this, Lord. In our new world, the biggest, strongest people can't rape our wives. No. How many times would the Israelite women been raped by Egyptian slave owners? Oh my gosh. Like all the time. So I just want to get this straight. So in our new world, my life, my wife are protected and we get a day off. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Don't take each other's things. Hold on, hold on. This is getting better. So... In our new world, the biggest, strongest people can't steal our stuff. No, I just, God, I gotta get this straight. So you rescued us from all this. And what you expect from us is to create a nation where my life, my wife and my stuff are all protected and we get a day off. Yes. This is the greatest thing ever. But relationships don't end at Ketubah. They end at Hoopah. The last command is, thou shalt not covet. This is the next verse. Next slide. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. Hoopah. They're standing on the base of the mountain and the presence of God covers them in smoke. And they look up and they see thunder. The, the word thunder there is kole, which is voices, languages, tongues, and they see lightning. The word is fire. It's the same two words Moses used to say, I saw the voice of God speaking to me out of the fire of the burning bush. So follow me here. They're standing at the base of the mountain. The presence of God covers them in smoke and they see tongues of fire sitting over their head. What would the tongues have been saying? Will you marry me? The Talmud says that on this day in history, God proposed to all of creation 
by using 70,000 tongues of fire that went out as far as the eye could see. By the way, 1857, in Rangoon, Burma, an English sociologist was studying the Kirin people, and he said, who is your God? And they said, we serve a God named Yava, who proposed to us thousands of years ago with languages of fire from the sky. You'd read about that in Don Richardson's book, Eternity in Their Hearts. In other words, wherever nation's church decides to go, Jesus has already been there, starting the work ahead of you. This was, so you married people. Every year on the day you got married, what do you do? You celebrate your anniversary. It's a really good idea. It's a day you set aside to remember how you used to feel. <laughs> a day where they didn't irritate you so bad, you know. A day where you could have had five-hour conversations. You celebrate it. So what God does is he institutes a law that says on this day every year, we're setting aside this day to remember our anniversary. Anybody know what that day's called? I'm sure you've guessed it by now. Pentecost. Pentecost was a feast that was instituted by God to celebrate their marriage, their relationship. And it's a weird, you could read all about it in Leviticus 16. You just take my word for it for right now, but it's strange because it's the only feast where the command is to make sure the bread is made with leaven. Everywhere else is unleavened, not Pentecost. Pentecost is all about leavened bread. Make sure the bread is made with yeast. And what they would do is they'd come together and they would break the bread and they'd saturate it with oil. Why? Because it tastes good. But, but the symbolism was unbelievable. Pentecost was a reminder that the Spirit of God wants to fill you leaven and all, issues and all, flaws and all, that you do not have to be perfect before God wants a relationship with you, that God wants to marry you just as you are. As the old song says, just as I am. Pentecost was a celebration of God's willingness to fill leavened beings. That the person in charge would say something like this, my God, I thank you that your unleavened life is willing to become one with my leavened life. It's a reminder that God meets the broken story where the broken story thinks God is and then moves it forward. That if you're here today and you've ever had a thought, I'm too leavened, I'm too flawed, I'm too sinful, I'm too dark, why would God ever want to engage my broken story? Pentecost is a reminder that the Spirit of God from creation has been engaging disorder, not to hurt it, but to reorder it to make a better story. Is about this. So, years later, it's recorded in Acts chapter 2. It says they were all together. Why were they all together? Well, because it's Pentecost. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. And it says they were there celebrating the leavened loaf and the oil. 
And it says that they looked up and the presence of God filled the room with a cloud of smoke and they heard the sound of a trumpet and they looked up and tongues of fire were sitting on their head. Where have you seen that before? Exodus 20. So the same exact thing is happening on the same exact day. The only, this, the only difference is this time they spoke back, which is the birth of the church, which is the bride of Christ. Pentecost is about being so moved that God wants to be in your life that you can't help but live for other people. Acts chapter two ends with these people not sitting around waiting to speak in tongues more. It ends with them going outside, selling what they could and giving it to the poor. Why? Because that's just what Pentecostals do. Leviticus 23, check this out. This is the last command around Pentecost. On that same day, you're to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for generations to come wherever you live. Oh, and when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner residing amongst you. And what's the last line? Oh, I'm the Lord. Where have you heard that before? He reminds them of their wedding day by saying, I want you to be so moved by my willingness to engage your leaven story that you can't help but engage other people's leaven story. Pentecostals are not supposed to be simply known as the tongue talkers. Like you could be a tongue talking jerk. And listen, I'm all for spiritual language. This is about the presence of God engaging a leaven story and giving us a gift to say, if you need proof that I'm involved here, here you go. But my goodness, may it never just stop there. Pentecostals are supposed to be so moved by that that we can't help but go make other people's lives better. Pentecostals are not supposed to be simply known as the tongue talkers. They're supposed to be known as the most generous people in their whole world. It's actually this leads to this, which should define how we think about this. So may you, my brothers and sisters, may you of Nations Church and everybody watching online, may you be the most Pentecostal church in the world. May you be people so moved by God's willingness to engage your broken story that you can't help but use all your spare resources to engage other people's story, regardless of their ability to do anything in return. May we be those people. So Lord, give us the courage to see things different. The irresistible to respond. Why don't you just take 10 seconds right now and be internally thankful for God's willingness to engage your story. And then we, why don't we pray a prayer like this? Holy Spirit, would you speak to me about a need I could meet and empower me to be Pentecostal today and change somebody's life? Amen. Would you look this way? Thanks so much for letting me be a part of your morning. 
Oh, Jesus got bigger for you. The cross worked better. The resurrection is central. And scriptures got bigger, not smaller. I bless you to be people of courage who are courageous enough to be the most Pentecostal church in the world. May you be so moved by God's willingness to engage your story that you can't help but be the difference in other people's story. I hope I see you tonight. I promise you I got something special set aside. Until then, grace and peace, everybody. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com. Thank you.